This podcast is brought to you by my company, DC Music. Uh, music publishing, music supervision, music education. Find out more at dannychampion.co.uk. Hello, and welcome back to the Behind the Music Business podcast with me, Danny Champion. Uh, this is my little independent music business related podcast where I get the privilege to chat to a whole host of different people who I have met in my years in the music business and some of which I'm meeting for the first time. Um, this week's episode is with music supervisor Sergio Pimentel. Uh, he's currently a freelance music supervisor, um, focusing mainly but not only on music in computer games. Um, I first met Sergio way back in the day when he was part of the team at Sony PlayStation. Uh, since then, he has had time in teams at Activision Blizzard. Uh, he was part of the original setup for uh, Unilever's sync agency, Big Sync Music. He also spent time at the amazing record label Ninja Tunes. If you get the opportunity to check out their back catalogue, please do so. He's had a fairly varied career throughout synchronisation and things like that. Um, but the main focus of our conversation for this chat was about sync, but more importantly, or more specifically rather, about synchronisation in the computer games world. So those of you who are interested in this world, um, I hope you enjoy this chat that I had with Sergio uh, Pimentel. How is everything? How is freelancing? It's moment. good. It's been good. Uh, the last year, well, I mean, I guess uh, content all round has been king over the last year of the pandemic. Uh -huh. um, so I guess in the video games world, you know, there's been a lot of people stuck at home. And I mean, my son, for example, who's 16, he spends a lot of time on the PlayStation 4 uh, online with his mates. And he's got quite a big group of mates that all get on there, whether they're uh, on Rocket League or FIFA or GTA Online, you know, they, they've kind of got their favourites, uh, full guys. Um, and they're all on there, not only playing together, but actually chatting to each other on their headsets. So, you know, I guess, you know, he's at an age where he's missing so much that you'd usually be up to, you know, like getting caught at HMV swapping. But at the very least, you know, he's he's chatting to his friends and they're kind of engaging in that, on that platform, I guess. And, and so yeah. that's kind of, can that you're seeing, you're seeing an uptick in creating content yeah. uh, that's kind yeah. of engaging with you as a suit, as a, like, like the music person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's not like there's been an uplift in the number of games being made in the last year, but I, I guess with uh, having worked at Ninja Tune for four years up until last April, uh, where I 
where I sort of worked in sync across all media, film, TV, adverts, and games. Um, you know, what we found as we went in into lockdown is that a lot of the advertising stuff got put on hold. A lot of the film and TV productions got put on hold. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff slowed down a little bit. And obviously, as the months went on and you were watching TV, you really noticed it because basically it was just a bunch of reruns and very little new productions. Whilst I guess they worked out what they were going to do, you know, there was some advertising that then went CGI or uh, user generated on phones, you know, this real, we're all in this together. So here we are on our, on our smartphone filming this advert. Yeah. Um, but, but, but the game stuff was fairly consistent. Um, and uh, I guess with so many people at home consuming games, and I guess your Netflixes as well, um, for me, having left Ninja in April uh, and up until this point being freelance again. But interestingly, while I was at Ninja and some of the other roles that I've had, I guess, inside companies over the last few years, whether it be Big Sync or, or what have you, I've always had these freelance clients in the background. So Ninja were very happy okay. with me music supervising as a freelancer on the side in my own time. Mm -hmm. uh, to them it was great because creatively, if some of their catalogue worked on any of the stuff I was working on, then it was great, you know. Um, uh, so, so, you know, at Big Sync, actually my clients went in with me and then went all through Big Sync. And then when I left, they came back out with me because I was the guy that worked with them and, and, and knew them yeah. and was the games guy. So, so I guess in the last year, it's been nice and consistent. Um, lots of new referrals are usually from either old colleagues of mine from PlayStation or Activision or third-party dev studios that I worked with mm -hmm. at one of those two roles when I was on the game side or usually an audio director or a marketing brand person that knows someone that worked with me and they need a piece of music, whether it's a commercial piece of music to be licensed or whether it's a bespoke piece and then I'll, I'll get the call out of the blue. Uh -huh. So yeah, so it's so, keeping you busy. Yeah, yeah, as I say, my, my, my two current hats, uh, very busy. So that, that takes up my day, you know, sort of main, main part of the day. And then as you know, Danny, about three years ago, I qualified as a personal trainer as well. Mm -hmm. And I've carried on uh, sort of look, going into specializations in that area. And I do that at the beginning of the day before the office opens. Nice. And at the end of the day as the office shuts and I, and I've been able to take some of my 22 year music supervision skills there. So I have, well, apart from, I train some music supervisors in the industry <laughs> and I, I, do, I, do, I do classes on Zoom with them where I curate a playlist of music that they love, genres of music they love, and then they put it on in their living rooms, put their sounds down so we don't get any copyright issues, keep mine up and then I, and then I train the master. They're working out to a, a nice playlist with the peaks and troughs yeah, that, yeah. that go with the workout. So, um, so no, it's been, um, it's been a very, very good year. You know, I'm doing both of the two things that I love and actually managing to merge them into each other a little bit. 
I'm, I'm music supervising a fitness game at the moment nice. as well, so I really am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Do you think? I mean, feel free to say no comment or anything like that. But was I mean, you leaving Ninja Tunes? Um, was that your decision? You said, look, right, actually, I want to be freelance. I want to be doing a bit of PT work and and this on uh, kind of on my own terms, at my yeah, own, at mean, my own leisure and things like that. Absolutely. They were amazing over there. I mean, they're super understanding. You know, they were happy for me to do my uh, my supervision on the side. You know, I was there for a good four years. Um, and, and, and for me, it was, I guess it was the last piece of the puzzle for me because now I've kind of sat on all the chairs around the dinner table mm. in that whole negotiation. I've been brand side on the game side. I've been music supervisor sitting in the middle of both industries and being mediator and negotiator. Uh, and I've also been, oh, and, and the thing about Ninja was I'm a huge fan. Of you the know, I was big yeah. fan of the, the early days, big Cold Cut fan, big Amon Tobin, Funky Portrait, you know, loved, loved Herbalizer, all that early stuff is amazing. Love what they're doing now. Um, was blissfully unaware of the variety of uh, great writers and genres that they had in jo on Just Isn't Music, the publishing catalogue. Um, and quite frankly, it was an absolute pleasure working with those writers and artists for, for the four years that I was there. You know, I was working with a lot of people that I respect and I love their musical output. So that, that was great. And um, but I've always loved, you know, I've, I've had a few times in my career where I have been my own boss purely without working for anyone else. Yeah. Um, and I've always really loved that. And I think that the decision about leaving there was partly getting busier with the supervision staff purely from referral, um, beginning to get busier and wanting to get busier with the coaching and the personal training as well. Um, and quite frankly, it got to a stage where there wasn't an, enough hours in the day, <laughs> enough day in the week. And something um, and had something, to give. Something had to give. And, and for me, it was if I let this go, I've then got time to market myself coaching a bit more and actually start myself marketing myself as a supervisor again, because I haven't really, you know, there was a time, as you know, where I, I would do a lot of conferences and talks and panels and workshops. I mean, I love doing all that stuff because you meet lots of great new contacts. You open up your network, which, as you know, in sync is invaluable. It's all about the people that you know. Uh, you make some great friends. I mean, in this job, in this role of sync supervisor, I've made some amazing friends over the, the last 22 years, friends that are now friends. And I also happen to deal with them on a business level, yeah. you know, whereas before it was the other way around. Um, so so it, it, it's been a real joy and, and, and it's just given me more time to dedicate to just being able to have time to do more of these things. So I've done a few, obviously, virtual conferences over the last few months. Yeah. Uh, it's been great reconnecting. I've got, I'm doing one again in about a week's time that I did in a beautiful, beautiful part of Portugal quite a few years ago, just outside of Porto. 
Shame it's going to be online this time, but it's, you know, it's nice to be getting uh, together with Nuno, the organiser over there that puts it on. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's been good. It's just giving me a lot more time to focus on the areas that I need to be focusing on, but that I love. you're as a freelancer focused more on the you know, sitting in the middle part of the roles the yeah. supervisor in the middle that's the area that's always uh that's always kind of got your interest up that little bit more than being on the right owner side or being on the brand side would you say or was it just it's it's kind of the the, the simplest uh area to, to be doing things I mean, on your I mean no, you know what? They've all been great, actually. You know, I've, I mean, I. You didn't I fancy love... su uh, starting up your own record label and publishing company, put it that way. No, you know what? I mean, it's, it's, I've, there's been a, a great joke with people that know me during my career in, in music, if you like. I mean, I know what I love, and, and I love, I guess, what a lot of people would say is great music, but, but if I was an AR man, my God, the label would have gone down months ago because. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff that I like, the, the stuff that I like tends to be very quite niche, you know. Um, I mean, I love a lot of classic music, you know, as not classic, I love a lot of classical music as well, but I love a lot of stuff from the 70s, the 80s, yeah. the 90s, in certain genres. I'm a bit, I'm big into my rock and my metal, so there is kind of pockets of that that I love. But, you know, I guess there is the stuff that does very well in the charts which just does nothing for me not at exactly all, you know. And, and I'm not going to name anyone because it's horses for courses and it'd be a, a very boring world if we all loved the same thing. Correct. Um, but, but the other thing as well is uh, it does always uh, slightly amuse me when, when you watch supervisors slagging off particular artists on social media and, and you kind of sit there going, you know what, it's just going to be your luck that tomorrow one of your clients sends you a request to go and clear that artist. <laughs> and you're up, on, you're up on Twitter, you're up on just about every platform at the moment on your soapbox going on about how much you think... So-and-so <laughs> is you know, not worth it. You know what, it, yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> there are just are certain things working to yourself and you don't say it's horses for courses. What... What I can't stand, millions of people are buying. Yeah, yeah. And what I love, probably about 10 people are buying. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And, and that's, I guess, one of the reasons why I ask, because, you know, you spent some, you spent time at Ninja Tune, who are a niche indie. They've, they've found the, the kind of stuff, and I'm exactly the same with you. They're one of those indepe independent labels that I kind of love most, if not all, of the stuff that they've ever discovered. Um, but they're not, you know, they're not doing it for main, you know, to to fit holes in in the mainstream at all. They've they've had no. mainstream success because they found some amazing acts. And I guess it's always that, you know, it's it's always been in the back of my head of, oh, it would be it would it would be cool. It would be great to set up a little indie label and publisher and you know try and find you know someone yeah you know, some of those amazingly talented people out there and help them put a put a single out an ep out and all that sort of stuff um yeah but yeah but then no, you I sit down and think about it and go oh god i don't have enough money to <laughs> to be able to do it properly i mean you know i i certainly like the it's a it's a nice romantic idea i love 
that. I mean, I'm about to actually set up a physical company to do my supervision okay. through, which is something that I've kind of heard away from for the last sort of 10 to 12 years that I've been freelancing in one shape or form yep. in, in, in this block anyway, because I did have moments before that when I was doing freelancing as well on this. But, um, but yeah, it just seems like finally a good time to do it. I'm getting busier and busier. I'll probably need to uh, take on some help at some point. And, um, you know, I've been, the, the other thing that's been great over the last year, I guess, with a little bit more time, I guess was so busy that they kind of left the front of my mind. So I wanted to get involved in some mentoring, you know, after all this time and seeing anyone that wants to kind of get into sync. And yeah. um, so I've been uh, mentoring uh, an old colleague of mine who's still at Ninja um, and we've been sort of uh, having monthly video calls, uh, which has been really great. And I'm getting her kind of involved in a lot more conference. So I'm fed up of being one of many white men on panels at conferences, you know. Um, so it's one of these where just just trying to trying to push some diversity yeah. in some of these things. And then I think, as I told you last time we had a chat. Um, a good friend of mine from university who, who's, he was, you know, a promoter and, and, you know, put on lots of gigs and he was actually in Crouch End just down the road from me and used to put on like a festival every year called The Local in this part of North London. Um, he's now an educator and he weirdly got together with another old contact of mine from music publishing who, um, and they set up a company together and, um, it's basically a, a music industry course sort of split up into different modules, looking at different things. Mm -hmm. So they've got, you know, a very well-known producer sort of talking about music production and he's written that whole module. I've done the sync one. Um, he's got some well-known artists, writers doing some stuff and it covers everything yeah. from being a tour manager to being in sync to being, uh, in music PR, sort of, you know, and there's a bit of AI in the background, background that actually online directs the student uh, as to different areas of the different courses. Because, you know, I had a, I had a bit of a moment a few years ago when I was asked from, by my son's secondary school if I'd be interested in going to a careers day that they were having during the day for that year 11. And I said, yeah, of course, you know, I'm working from home a lot of the time anyway. So, uh, and it was one of the days that I worked from home while I was at Ninja. So I said, great, yeah, you know what, I can do that. And, um, and I went there in the morning and there was me and another six or seven, either mums or dads, you know. There was me with my laptop uh, with, you know, clip from FIFA that we'd done that year, two or three other video games. There was the nine LDN commercial that we had a track in. Uh, that big Nike advert that came out uh, was it a couple of years ago that was huge. Mm -hmm. You know, the one that went on for quite a while with the guys running. Yep. It was like a tracking camera. Brilliant. About 13 different pieces of music in the whole advert. But we had a track in there as well. So I was set up there. You know, they had a, a dad over there that was an accountant. You know, a mum over there that worked in a bank. You know, another dad that was in the Territorial Army. Anyway, all the kids were flocking around <laughs> in my laptop. Quite a funny one, and it was just one of the. I suddenly realised that it's like they're not even aware that this is a job. No, 
I mean, you know, there, and I guess the point is there are so many jobs in the music industry behind the back in the backgrounds, not the artist or the writer. What do you think of that? <laughs> you, know, really, you know what I mean? So, so it's one of these that uh, you kind of sit there and go, wow, you know, it's really worthwhile. But then the funniest thing about that that particular story was, um, you know, as they started to dissipate, the teacher that had started liaising with about doing it sort of come up to me and goes, oh, thanks very much, Sergio. That was great. God, I, I noticed that all the kids were really interested in what you, what you do. Um, by the way, you're in the music industry. Where do you work? And I said, Ninja Tune. He went, oh, my God, I'm on Toby. Funky Puccini, Cinematic Orchestra. John, John, come, come and meet Charlie's dad. He works at Ninja Tune. I suddenly had these two fanboy teachers who were old Ninja Tune fans. Nice. It's hilarious. I said, if I'd have known, I bought some vinyl. They went, what? What vinyl? And I went, oh my God, I, I am the old man in the room again. Anyway, there That you wouldn't go. happen now, though. They would be like, oh, yes, please, as long as it's numbered and limited edition. Of course, yes, coloured vinyl. <laughs> From your perspective, from someone who I guess doesn't necessarily have to or hasn't yet had to really hammer the finding new business because of recommendations and the, the relationships that you've built. Do you think now is a is a is a, a good time to be setting up new sync related businesses or do we th do you think that the industry is a little bit saturated i mean there's definitely a lot of players out there there's no doubt about it and i think over the last week i think i spotted a couple more jobs going at some of the supervision companies and so okay well, someone's left and then a week later it's like such and such is now set up oh, wow there's another there's another one i mean I mean, yes, there's there's a lot of people out there, Danny. Um, there's, you know, we, I think with Sync, I think a lot of people get into it because they, the music selection to them just seems to be the, the main focus. And yes, creatively, I mean, that's great, isn't it? I mean, I always, I always uh, amused uh, some of the majors where you've got some, you know, you've got two people in the sync department, you've got the licensing person, you've got the creative person, the person getting paid just to purely send music out, yeah. um, which is job. fine. <laughs> what's not a great job? I mean, what's not to like about that? You don't get involved in all the, all the paperwork and the negotiation and all that. But you see, I love that stuff. Right. So for me, you know, I, I kind of love to do both sides yes. of it. And, and actually the admin side, I think is a good 80% of the job. If you yep. don't get your admin done and you don't know what you're doing rights wise, you can get yourself into such a fudge with all that stuff. Yeah. So to, you know, so I guess there's a lot of people that maybe focus a bit too much on that. And, um, oh yeah, the admin, it's like, no, no, the admin's super important, mm. super important. I mean, yeah, I always joke with, with colleagues of mine and say, am I the only, music supervisor that got into the business, not because I play guitar or I played in a band at some point, 
but actually I love spreadsheets. I love a bit of Excel. That's the only reason I've got supervision. I mean, I do play the guitar and I do play percussion as well, yeah. but I love the spreadsheet. That's why I got in supervision. I track my life on Excel. It's an interesting <laughs> way of saying that you got into the music industry because of a spreadsheet or because of spreadsheets. I would have thought well, you know that there's, there's places that use spreadsheets a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I, could be, I guess I've got to become an accountant. Hey. <laughs> so, so well, okay. So let, let's go back a bit. With that in mind, back in '99, um, was it always was it the music industry that you were focused on, or were you an avid big fan of computer games back then, and that's where you where you kind of gravitated towards because of your love of of the media? How how did it all how did it all work? It, it, it actually all happened by mistake. It always and, does. And, 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 a, and a brilliant mistake. Yeah. Thank goodness for that mistake. But I, I did a psychology degree at university. I guess my, well, no, let's, let's roll back. I was in a band at secondary school um, and we just played locally. We, you know, there was nothing particularly sexy. We, we, we could have only dreamt about a record label, about as about as great as it got for us was our first gig at the Muswell Hill Centre. Uh, our bassist, Thor, was his father had been the electric violinist in Hawkwind. Nice. So he was in the audience with a couple of the Hawkwind boys and we actually played Silver Machine, uh, was one of the covers that we played. And um, they came on, I'm sure they came on stage at the end, so that was probably the worst version we've ever heard. <laughs> uh, but, but that was about our claim to fame in the band <laughs> that I played in. But while I was at university, um, I, you know, I, I played in band and then I started getting into, I guess, club culture and acid house, right. like early acid house culture. So I got myself a couple of 1210s and a mixer because uh, I'd been meandering with vinyl anyway and, and, and you've been buying records for years. Um, and then I had that. So at university, um, with some friends of mine that, that, that uh, funnily enough, uh, in the games business and in music supervision business now as well, uh, we split parties on. And I started playing percussion whilst they were DJing. Okay. And then I started playing in the back room with my funk and rare groove and jazz colours. So I guess that was my first beginning to make money by doing something around music that I always loved. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I got into it. I was, I'd been working in a, did my psychology degree, spent two and a half years working for the NHS, wanting to get into clinical psychology and, and mental health in particular, which was an area of interest, mm -hmm. uh, realizing very quickly that not, the area that I was interested, there was actually not a lot you could do to help the patients, actually. It was, you know, two sides of, you know, doped up to the hilt or delusional. Yeah. So I come and I had a couple of hairy moments in that world. Uh, so left the hospital I was at, a friend of mine from university was working in a PR company, I guess. Um, and I met my wife there. But while I was there for a few years, a colleague of mine who was in sales as well, was a, an account manager at this PR company, uh, came to me and said, look, I've got a friend of mine who's just got in contact. He's consulting for this video games music supervision agency that probably the first of its kind now, I say that. Um, he's consulting for them as a biz dev manager. Um, they're actually looking for a full-time biz dev manager to join there. 
Um, he approached me about it. I'm not that bothered. I'm not into video games. I told him that you play guitar, percussion, DJ, and like most guys, you probably have played a video game once or twice. How things have changed now, actually, because everyone's playing video games now. Um, and I said, all right, well, you know, I'll have a chat with him. I, I, I had three interviews. My last one, I had to present a six-month business plan. Wow. Uh, which I did. Uh, I got the job at the end of the interview. Uh, did BizDev for about a month before the girl that was doing the licensing left. And I'd obviously been... You know, you've got to understand what you're selling, right? So I've been given the copyright and licensing stuff that I needed on the month running up to. Then she left and it was a case of, look, you, you're going to have to step up to plug this at the moment. And thank God that happened because, as I say, 22 years on, but that was pure video games and pure video games marketing. So that was it. I fell into it purely by mistake. It was a company called Couch Life, yep. which is no longer. I remember Couch Life uh, back in the day. Yeah, and I think, um, I think when I, my first record label publishing job was at a teeny tiny record label and publisher up in Cambridge. And it was, yeah, around 2002, 2003. And uh, the you know, bosses just, they were a little label going, right, all we, could, all we need is a sink. If we can get a sink for this, for this, then then we're laughing. And so it was just like, right, yeah. Dan, get us one of these. As if I just, I could just hang on. Yeah, I think I've got one down here. I'll just grab one. <laughs> and so I think I, re I remember reaching out to Couch Life back in those because it was like, right, okay, we need advertising people. We need, and you know, it, and it was just that that sort of thing. So I remember sure. the company. Um, yeah, 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 and it was and it was great. It was great, as I say. It was kind of a sister company to a PR and marketing company that they'd already set up, and they were working with a lot of games companies who were on the on the back of the marketing, was saying, "But we'd really like to do this with this artist at events," and then that kind of merged. In. So they set up, mm -hmm. uh, and then the company was bought out by some other great friends of mine in the industry that run the CD pool which is a white labels promos yep. for DJs, uh, but on CD as, as opposed to vinyl. I think, again, first of their kind. So yes, good times, good times, but yeah, totally unplanned. So you were, yeah, Couch Life from, at, in 99 and you left Activision in 2011. So that's 12 years focused on computer games with Sony in the middle. So were you were you dealing with uh, just the music licensing side of things or were you working with the you know the music score side of things because I would argue and please correct me if I'm wrong that the vast amount of music in computer games is bespoke and yeah, then yeah. there's an amount of licensing if we ignore the you know the sing star the guitar hero stuff yeah, that happened yeah. that yeah, yeah you get certain games licensed music your fifas your gtas and things like that but an awful lot of computer games is very much it's it's a school it's like a it's like a film and you yeah, get like yeah. 20 odd hours worth of music made for that's it. Right. my my that's missus right. is my wife is actually the gamer in our household so you know you don't right. you're not you don't see licensed music in fallout or 
or any of the games that she's that she plays but you do, but there is a yeah. lot of music in it because there's lots of scores so so were you always involved in in just anything musical or is there kind of certain departments I, that cover different bits i mean i was always involved when i was on the inside on all bits as well because often when we'd work with an external composer it was me that was putting the deal together, negotiating the terms with, with them and their managers and their agents, um, and then taking a fairly active role in project managing as well with our internal music managers too, you know. Um, so I've always loved that, and I'll always carry on doing that. I mean, to your point of it, kind of, you know, the FIFAs of this world, the, the GTAs, but then, you know, you do have... I mean, you know, the demon souls of this world, the bloodborns of this world, yes. I mean, that's all pure, pure score generally. But then you've got, you know, the Bioshocks, even some of the Fallout stuff is mainly score, but then you'll occasionally, where there's a narrative going on, there's a lot of episodic narrative games being made at the moment. Mm -hmm. It's a very hot thing, and they're, they're beautiful pieces of work. Life is Strange, which is uh, developed in, in, in Paris, by a developer over there. Um, they've had several games and it's episodic and they tackle some quite um, quite heavy hitting uh, sort of things in, in each of the games, you know, really, really great. But they'll have a score, but then I guess like in a film as well, you know, someone walks into a cafe and there's a radio on in the background. That will, so a lot of those tend to be quite mixed, heavily scored. Um, I certainly know there's a game uh, that I was working on while I was over at Ninja, and I don't think that much has been announced in terms of who the game's been announced, but not who from there's doing something. Um, but that was a that was a real mix of licensed music, and then there was going to be a score as well. Um, I mean, I love the score stuff. You know, I great you know i do a lot of licensed music and i do a lot of music games weirdly where i guess creatively it's not that exciting you know often it's is it high chart topping so that it's familiar enough for people to, to play in the game yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, because then um, and although I, they knew what they wanted we knew that the recording that they wanted might be outside of their budget. So just, just to be able to kind of start scouting other versions of it that were available and kind of, you know, ended up, ended up doing a deal with one of our old writers from Just Isn't Music, who, who used to work at Music Sales, Wise Group. Yep. Uh, where I met him, I think it's a Ludovico and Audi gig that we were both at. <laughs> and, um, Again, another another artist I love, composer I love, and um, and you know he'd sort of about a year and a half ago set up a company where you know they're doing production. He's got his own production library and they're doing stuff. And as it turned out, they were just in the studio that week recording a Christmas album. And the last two days was "Let It Snow," the the the, the song that I needed to find an alternative master for. He sent it over, unmastered straight from the studio that day. I sent it to the client. They loved it. It had all the vibes of the master that we wanted. 
um, and and it made it. And you know, it's always nice when you kind of, you know, when people always want big names, and with big names, you're usually dealing with the big companies. Yes, it's so nice to be able to put something to, to get something from a smaller company that really, really values the business and. I mean, you know, it's great putting it's great putting money into everyone's pockets mm -hmm. in the last year anyway. It's always a pleasure. But it's always nice when you've got someone that's just set something up and they're much smaller and, you know, they're kind of living from from hand to mouth a little bit more, you know, particularly over the last year. It just it, it feels like a nice thing when the stars get aligned like that and you can you can work with someone you know and and everyone in around the table's so happy. Yeah. There's there's you know, it, it's catalog is an amazing asset for any music company to have because, you know, tried and tested, you know, you know where you are. It's, you know, my the majority of my background and, and I'm sure you can relate to this from your time at Big Sync is that they want something memorable. They want something recognizable. They're always trying to sell it. You know, it's it's a sales thing when it comes to, to advertising. But yeah, it's it then it's not the be all and end all, and it's also really really expensive quite often. The amount of the amount of deals that I did at Sound Lounge, where we would be going, this really works with the brief that you've given us, the vibe you're trying to get, the the lyrical content, how you want the music to work. This is perfect, and it's going to cost you a fraction of your budget. And I think it will, you know, it will do the job. And then they went and then they'll go, no, we want that rant, you know, that arbitrary well-known piece of piece of music and stick a couple of zeros on. And you just think, I mean, yeah. you're, not, you're not thinking creatively here. You're not thinking like how you can utilize this in the way that we would really want you to. Are you um, from, from the games side of things? Are you, how does, you know, who are you talking to? Uh, from the uh, at the developers because you know if you were doing a it sounds very very similar to music supervising a film and if you were doing that you would be talking quite heavily to the director is there an equivalent for computer games where you're bouncing the creative ideas off before you start going out there and doing the licensing side of things yeah i mean generally uh so you i, I deal developer side sometimes and then i deal publisher side um, obviously, PlayStation, where I was at for a long time, was great because they are publisher, first-party publisher, but also with a constant hardware manufacturer, but with internal development. Yeah. So I was within their internal development. Um, so, so on the development side, generally, you tend to deal with a producer often, whether it's on the publishing side or the developer side. And the producer, I guess, like a producer in the ad world um a lot of project management making sure that you know well the producer on the game side has got many many different people to organize you know from the programmers to the game designers to the artists to qa the guys that, that do all the bug testing on it localization audio you know uh video and editing for the trailers and stuff then go to marketing or even for the internal cutscene stuff, if there's motion capturing going on, they, you know, they, they, I mean, so producers in that world. Yes. So you're usually dealing with a producer, um, a development studio, and a games publisher will usually have an audio director as well. 
that you're dealing with and, and his team or her team or managers, you know, depending on how big the departments are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the publishing side, it tends to be, well, I guess on the publishing side, all of those, and then sometimes uh, marketing or brand managers. I mean, the marketing and brand managers tend to be on the publishing side to market the game. You know, I mean, they'll obviously do mar- marketing the companies and the, you know, um, developers do have PR people and sort of some people inside, but I'm still to deal with anyone on the marketing side, pure development. It's usually on the publishing side. given the the kind of creative briefs if we if we park the guitar hero sing star even the fitness games slightly different i guess or the fitness apps uh, things that you know from a from a creative perspective are you being brought in say right can you find us the right music this is the scene or are you being given that information from somewhere else and then it's your job to interpret what they want where are you where are you sitting or is it kind of a little bit of everything a little bit of everything, depending on on, on which job it is, and, and you know, uh, and which client it is as well. You know, there are some clients that, you know, I think the thing with music, you know, you'll be aware of this. You know, everyone's everyone's got a favorite record at home. Everyone's got a CD at home. You know, so it, it when I was at, when I was at PlayStation, there was a couple of us in the department at the beginning. We always just have this laugh. You know, it's everyone's got an opinion on the music. But it's not like it's not like you sort of turn up somewhere, you know, turn up to a development studio and go up behind the programmer and go, "Oh, you're coding in Java. You don't want to be doing that. You know, you try C plus plus. You know what I mean? It's you don't get that in any any other. But it's oh, you know, you're you're putting that in there. Have you thought of that other song by that band? I think it worked better. Um, but uh, but you know what? I, I, I guess in an equal measure the fact that people are so passionate about music and it's the area that you're that you work in i think that in itself can be quite infectious because when you're sitting in a room talking you know looking through a you know it can be as early as a concept document for a video game and maybe an early early bit of code that kind of shows one part of gameplay uh, without everything having been rendered you know just very just showing a bit of the gameplay mechanics you know when you know i mean obviously as a music lover i'll, I'll get fired i'll get fired up about anything but you know stuff that i love and that i'm passionate about i generally get quite excited when i'm talking about them you know and, 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 and being from brazil is where i start to gesticulate without realizing it as well um and when and when you get a dynamic in a meeting where there are other people in the room that are also really passionate about what they do you know whether it's a producer a game director an audio director, whoever it is, yeah. and, and they're passionate about their own uh, craft, if you like, but then love music and can also start getting, you know, I've had meetings where we started talking about, we've gone off on one and started talking about our very first festivals and gigs that we've ever been to and kind of seminal moments we've had watching live music and they've just come from these talking about a particular project and, you know, passion's kind of set up and you walk out of those meetings 
just super excited because you know that the the team that you're going that's the other thing with games that I love you know you're often working on a game you're working from beginning to end and yeah. you know triple a title can be two and a half years I mean you know a game like GTA years you know I think the, the last one that came out was 2013 GTA 5 obviously they've had GTA online but they you can't refreshing but GTA 6 is just a myth at the moment and you know that that came out eight years ago mm-hmm. you know so clearly what, whatever comes next it's been you know been brewing for a few years I mean those games are just pure art for me across everything the script music well there's a lot more scrutiny attached to them i think because because the industry now is so much more mainstream and you know there's so much more it's not you know even even games that were potentially considered as kind of you know you only played it if you were a proper kind of outsider you were a gamer it wasn't very much the mainstream side i think it's you know the gaming industry is is very much part of the mainstream now and so there's yeah. you know you could you just look look at games like is it cyberpunk 2077 yeah that came yeah. out you know there was all of this uh you know it was loads of hype around it and it maybe would have been you know it got released a little bit early it still had a few bugs in it and you hear that yeah. happening quite a lot there's a lot more attention on it now you know, yeah. esports are all over the BBC Sport website. So there's, there's so much. It's a very different industry in 2021 yeah, well, than it ever has been. I mean, I guess the big, big difference I've seen now as opposed to before. So you've got a game like Fortnite, okay? Epic Games. My, my, my son plays on it quite a lot still. And, you know, they've got, it's free to play, but there's in-game purchases they've had millions, millions of kids going on there. And it's a really interesting one because uh, you'll be aware that they've had a few virtual concerts on there. So the first one was Marshmallow, which you know, kind of viewed and, you know, to, I mean, it's, I'm not the demographic musically or for anything, but it, it wasn't much to visually as an artist, there's not much going on. Whereas the, the Travis Scott one that they did, that, I mean, again, not my, my not my thing musically but it was all very psychedelic and you know there was it was almost like the, the, the world was kind of changed a bit and there was a big version of him and you know to for something to, to to be engaged with bearing in mind you're on a screen for me that was more engaging um but i think the interesting thing so you've got now the other platform roblox which is for kids kind of younger kids where you can kind of create your own games within there as well. Um, and I've seen that, well, interestingly, I think in their last round of um, raising funds, uh, one of the parties that, that, that put money into them was the Warner Group. Mm-hmm. And then interestingly, the Warner Group have, well, they had a virtual version of Royal Blood playing at some Roblox event that they had online about a few days ago, I think it was. Okay. But, you know, they had the Ava Max album launch yep. on Roblox. You know, they've done various things. And I guess um, I, was on a, I was on a panel uh, recently for AIM, uh, a sync panel, talking about gaming and the opportunities now. And on the panel was um, 
Diplo's manager, Rene, um, who's a lovely lady. Uh, and I've worked with Diplo a few times over my career. Um, and, um, and, you know, she made a really good point. And so I sort of said that, you know, the, the relationships between the music industry and the games industry seems a lot less transactional than they used to. I mean, yes, you still have, you know, certain areas very transactional, but, you know, these concerts, if you like, going on where there's kind of two parties coming together. We've got a platform where we've got millions of kids. Well, especially and you've at got the moment the- as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, you know, there's a lot more partnerships going on, it seems now. Um, and she made a really good point, which, uh, which was, you know, for some of their demographics, so look at, they look after Diplo and, and a few other sort of DJs and producers. And um, she was saying that, you know, often that young target demographic, there's so much noise at the moment with all the different social media platforms and all the places that they can be, that actually what you want to do is you want to cut through all that noise. And she said, the reason why, well, Diplo's a huge Fortnite fan anyway, apparently. um, The reason why they did quite a lot of stuff with FIFA, you know, so Major Lazer's done a few things with FIFA over the years. um, And Diplo's got a residency on a DJ residency on Fortnite is because they realize that actually they are cutting through all the noise on Fortnite. They're, and, you know, as I say, my son's on there with all, all of his mates, you know, and you're getting eyes and ears, engaged eyes and ears, not phantom listeners like you might do if you've got something in a TV advert yeah, yeah, and yeah. someone's making the tea or doing the ironing. It's just on in the background. This is their whatever they're doing, you know, heisting a bank, racing a car, whatever it may be, they're locked in. It's fascinating, a residency on Fortnite. That is fascinating to me. That, yeah. you know, that, that that's, does that, I mean, again, I've never played it. Um, is, does, is that kind of a, a radio station style thing that you can tap into? Or do you have to be in a particular part of a particular map? to access yeah. this stuff? Do you, have you kind of heard how all that works? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I had a little play of it when my son started to play it. And you know what, for me, I need a bit of a narrative to my gaming to kind of hook me in a little hey, bit. I, know, I, I play football manager and the and I occasionally still play Mortal Kombat poorly. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's literally <laughs> it. That's that's me done when it comes to. I, yeah. I've I've tried. We've got a PS4. I bought Spider Man. I got about fifteen percent into it, and I got to a bit which I couldn't do. Tried about four times. Got bored because it got frustrating. I tried that with the Batman games. I get to a bit. I can't do it on the easiest setting, and I go nope, not doing it anymore, and I walk off. That's my relationship yeah. with games. I've got a few of those, to be honest with you. Uh, and I go back occasionally and still get stuck on the same bit, then leave it for a few years. I hook up the um, N64 and play Mario 64 yet again, just to make me feel like I can still play video games. Oh, now no, Mario Kart, there's something without a story, and I love that, you know. But yeah, no, it, it, so I did try it. Yeah, so with the, um, with the, the virtual concerts, there will be a time. Yeah. So at that time, you go to one part of the map, and it all happens there. 
during that time. Um, I have to be honest with you, I haven't checked out the residency, mm. but one thing that did come up with Fortnite over the last year or so, I think since they started doing these virtual concerts and they've become so, um, so popular and so well attended, is there's, and I haven't checked this out yet, but there's apparently, there's two parts of Fortnite now. There's the place where you go in and you actually play and where you kind of shoot each other and all that stuff. But then there's another one where you can just kind of hang out. And I, I guess for me, it's it sounds almost like what PlayStation Home was, okay. which was something PlayStation had developed while I was working there, which was essentially, a, you know, like you you walked into this virtual space with an you designed your avatar Do you and you could Second Life. Yeah, it Sounds was like kind that. of yeah, it was like Second Life, um, you know, and and they did some cool stuff on it. Just after I left, I think they had a busy rascal. It was actually him in a room, green screened, but they got him into and then you actually went in as an avatar to go and watch mm -hmm. watch this uh dizzy rascal sort of special gig that they did on in playstation home um so i think they kind of got something like that and i think there it's just i suspect it's probably you know whatever time on friday night come into this part of fortnight right. come and check I suspect it's, it's, I really it's still it's still a go to because that because that's the difference, isn't it? It's go to a bit of the map and engage with with what we're putting on as opposed to passively be fed something like it's just a rate, you know, someone's taking over an hour of a radio station, that sort of thing. I, I, I'm conscientious of, of uh, letting you get on with the rest of your day uh, you, or the music supervision that you've got to do this afternoon. Uh, so I've got a few more areas uh, of questioning. Well, actually, I just wanted to touch a little bit on Big Sync and then a little bit on Ninja Tunes. Um, so the, the key thing with, with Big Sync that I'm, I'm curious about is obviously up until that point, synonymous with computer games, uh, Couch Life, Sony, Activision, really really focused that was your area um you know when we first met you were in that small group uh, of supervisors and people who were focused um very much specifically on on the gaming part of the industry um what made you like the idea of branching out and doing some stuff for brands in advertising um, and how was it working with or, or your being part of a, a kind of a, a new version of a sync company that was owned by a brand? Because yeah, they obviously they did what most sync companies do, but they owned uh, they were owned. Please correct me if they're not currently or still owned by Unilever. But that was kind of they were the first company that, you know, the brand or a brand itself went, right, we're going to do our own sync. Oh, and we're also going to branch out and try and get clients elsewhere. So, you know, yeah. what what interested you and how was it in that space? Well, I mean, the initial interest for me was actually um, some of the people setting it up. So, you know, Dom, Dom and I, uh, I weirdly saw the that they were looking 
um, on my LinkedIn and not because I was connected to Dom, but I think another friend of ours from the music industry had liked it and I'd seen and I I just, we just sort of disbanded Nimrod Productions uh, with me about to go freelance with the supervision staff, Mark uh, going off freelance and concentrating on being a composer more right. rather than having to run a company and, um, and, and, and looking at film scores more, which he has done. And then Rich was going to carry on and, and, and carry on with his mixing and doing his mixing for video games and then more film and trailers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I spotted this and, and, and obviously I knew Dom from his uh, Telstar days. Um, you know, he was uh, he was quite instrumental in uh, in convincing Craig David's manager to license and Craig David to SingStar at the time. So you know, all good. So you know, I always got on really well with him uh, and I had a chat, and, it, and, I, and I thought it was quite intriguing. I'd obviously done a lot of adverts within the gaming space, and it was a, an interesting proposition. Uh, with the brand owning it and Unilever in particular. And I guess the other thing for me that was was interesting was they, at the time, there was talk of trying to set up, uh, because they had office in New York and they had office in Singapore and there was talk of opening up an office in South America. Um, and I guess I was the token Brazilian at Big Sync. So we we had a few trips out to Brazil and, 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 I, and I became... I became a big contact for the Brazilian brand teams on certain brands within the Unilever family. Um, And so it was good. It was kind of, for me, it was working with some people I used to work with was great. Be interesting to be in this brand situation where you've got a mandate for all this advertising and, you know, uh, you know, looking around my household, realizing the amount of Unilever products I had in here without (laughs) realizing it. Um, and actually a lot of it for me, because I still speak Portuguese, um, and a lot of it for me was, you know what, I'll probably get really good experience in speaking Portuguese on a business level right. with this job. Okay. You know, I kept, I kept it up. I've got a very, very English accent when I speak Portuguese. <laughs> um, and I, I'm very good conversationally, and I, and I, and I can write it as well. Um, but sort of business on a technical level, not so great. Right. And so it was kind of an opportunity to kind of get thrown in at the deep end. Okay. I mean, I had to present in, in Portuguese to brand teams and ad agencies and all sorts of people while I was out there. Yeah. Uh, and it was great. And it, as I say, I, I, had a, I had a great time there. That was the job I've had in my career where I got to finally work with a record that I'd wanted to work with my entire career and had never worked on a product where the band would entertain it. And, you know, so I finally got to reimagine Welcome to the Jungle as a love song, nice. which was which was recorded for a, a Lynx commercial. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Unilever are a big kind of Uber brand. So what... What was what was their influence on that sort of company? Does 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 a company like Big Sync Music are they able to be fairly autonomous, or does a does a brand does a business like Unilever show its influence, show its weight 
Uh, well, you know, I, I guess that, you know, it was formed in the first place because actually kind of uh, to make sure that their, their campaigns had the very, very best music. So yeah. actually there was a lot of, you know what, you guys are the experts, okay. you know, you know what you're doing. Let's work with our brand teams. Let's work with the agencies and let's just work together to make sure we get the best piece of music for this particular campaign. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was really as simple as that. Um, you know, I guess for a lot of people on the outside, oh, you know, sort of big, big, because I think, I think still they're the second biggest spender in terms of advertising yeah. in the world. I think, I think behind Procter & Gamble, yeah. which is the other, other big brand where you'll have stuff all around your house that's one or two. Yeah, yeah. Um, although Unilever, I think more Europe, uh, and Procter and Gamble, very US, US centric. Yeah. But um, but yes, yeah, so a lot of people. Oh, oh how's that going to work? Actually, you know, it was it was great. I mean, you know, the the mission was just to make sure that we creatively put the very best music on the campaigns to kind of make sure that they shone to the very best they could. Okay. Last last little bit, last little bit. We've we've gone over an hour, so I'm going to have fun editing this. Um, Ninja Tunes. I've got a very very specific line of questioning here that Ninja Tunes's catalogue um, feels like that wonderful word, very syncable. Uh, they've they've often had a lot of success in that space. Um, from working with them on the inside. Uh, is is that part of the ANR? Is that part of the strategy, or is it a a wonderfully happy coincidence for someone like yourself when you were in that position? You kind of go, oh, look at all this wonderful stuff that just happens to be very very syncable, or are they really kind of thinking about that side of things when they are doing their day to day? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it will be kind of splitting label and the publishing arm a little bit. I mean, you know, the label do put out and sign stuff that they love and that they, that they believe in, which is amazing. Um, you know, I think with just about every label or publisher now, I think when there's any kind of signing going on, for, you know, from what I can gather speaking to all of my peers and, and colleagues out there, I think the sync discussion comes in to just about every discussion with A&R now, because you know what? Um, not that you won't necessarily sign, if you're really in signing because you love what they do, you're not going to not sign them. But I think the discussions are being had, you know, if, if there is sync in there as well, then mm -hmm. great, you know, this is fantastic. Um, I mean, I think, you know, whether it was like that at the very beginning, I guess probably not, because when they were founded, you know, there were, of course, the sync's been going on for, for decades, yeah, yeah. but it wasn't so prominent then. But I guess, you know, the sound and, um, I mean, I guess here's a story for you. You know, when I when I moved over to Ninja Tune and I'd go into any client or potential client, the minute I walked into a room full of creatives, the minute I mentioned Ninja Tune, they all, new ninja tune and they were all huge fans of it you know yeah. and so it was actually a very easy sell in a lot you know i mean you know with sync that the the final sync the stars need to be aligned there are so many different variables but i guess if you can if you can hit the 
the people that are coming up with the creative essence of a film, a TV series, an advert, a game. If you can really tap those guys in, I mean, you know what? They, they, they've got the vision for the final mm-hmm. for the final product, if you like. And if they're already if they're already love where you're coming from and, and the stuff that you're that you're bringing to the table, I mean, that's already a great start to a dinner party, isn't it? Yes, and that's I guess that that's testament to those sorts of labels because uh, you know if you are a, a Sony or a Warner or a Universal, you you come to the party with that we've got such a big catalogue with all these massive stars and then everybody else whether you're a publisher or, or a label you have to kind of you, you you're trading on something else whether that's heritage that's something that i was fortunate to have when i was at peer peer music yes, had the heritage cool. had you know it, it wasn't just a heritage company it wasn't like that it stopped signing things in the 60s but there was a lot of catalog in there a lot of big hits that really helped open the door to then have a conversation about some of the lesser known stuff um yeah when you're coming from a ninja tunes or a domino those sorts of companies they kind of come with with a kind of a sense of kudos i guess that they've built from who the you know it's not oh yeah well let's get this because i'm pretty sure that we can uh, we can license a bunch of this stuff. It's no, we want to do it because we think it's good music. It's cool. It's we're not trying to pigeonhole ourselves. We're not trying to, uh, I don't know. We're not trying to go and fill any. You know, we're not trying to just do things because that's what's hot at the moment. We're going to try and create our own trends. Yeah. And then yeah. you get you know people in creative positions gravitate towards that that helps and then you get those people go, oh all right brilliant well what's going on there at the moment and it obviously makes your makes your job a lot easier i guess i'm i've always thought from from ninja tunes's perspective it's it's bands like the heavy who had such insane uh sync wins but never quite you know you, you they weren't you know massively chart topping acts they're not massive on bills uh festivals you know they they do well for themselves but they have earned a fortune licensing their stuff for adverts and sinks around the world yeah. well I, you know i I'm still sit watching a film or, or or something on the tv now and and and, and there'll something come on i'm like great you know uh but those are those guys are, are super nice to work with as well and um yeah you know as i say i'm it was a pleasure working with all those writers and artists. And I think, um, you know, that was the, 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 the really monthly fun parts for me at Ninja Tune and Just Isn't Music was to be able to approach some of these brilliant people and say, look, you know, this, we've been pitching for this particular film game campaign. I mean, while I was in there, we did a great game with uh, Codemasters like an arcade racing game called On Rush. And the final track list was 59 songs in it and everything was either Ninja or just isn't music. So, I mean, we pretty well had a share in the entire soundtrack. There was only a few third parties involved, which I just dealt with internally with my supervisor's hat on, but without my supervisor's hat on. Uh, And it was great, you know, and, and, and they, 
the game was fantastic. It was an old team that used to be part of PlayStation when I was there. So I was kind of working with old colleagues again and um, and they were just utilising the entire catalogue. And, you know, I think a lot of artists, writers, particularly in the days where they spent a lot of time on the road touring, you know, they're into their video games. So, I mean, the conversations I had on that game in particular with such a breadth of the catalogue that got used, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was just great, sort of, you know, correspondence with people and phone calls with people that were genuinely super excited to be part of such a cool product. And yes, there was some good financials in the background, but but actually it was like, oh my God, I mean, loads of people playing this. It looks really kick-ass. It's like a great game. People are listening to my music. Um, and also some nice financials on it. So, you know, the moments like that, when you have the conversation, you can genuinely tell that someone's really excited and they're, yeah. oh, thanks for coming. It's like, look, don't, don't thank me for anything. I, this is, I get paid to do this. It's a <laughs> thank you. Yeah. We're actually, you know, it's, it's a pleasure when you speak to people that are genuinely really chuffed. And, you know, you know if everyone around that dinner table is happy, then the meal in the middle should be really kick-ass. And that's the way I've kind of always... It's a bit of a mission statement for, for being a music supervisor. You want to make sure that the artist, the writer, the label, the publisher, the client, the brand, the agency, everyone in around that table, if everyone's happy, then, as I say, the meal that you're eating is going to be absolutely kick-ass. What a lovely way of finishing the conversation it was like you think i need to find some sort of lovely sound bite but no that was awesome thank you so much sergio for having a chat with me always a pleasure Danny. massive thank you there to sergio for having a chat with me over zoom um apologies if there were any issues with the sound um obviously it's the fun and games of doing these remotely uh, but yes as always i really appreciate all of my guests giving me an hour or two of their time to have these chats with me uh it was amazing to catch up with sergio everything like that um do have a look at various links that i've put in the description uh, for any of the things that were mentioned within the episode. Um, if you would like to get in touch with me, uh, you can do so via Twitter, at Danny Champion, on Twitter, or at Instagram, or on Instagram, rather, at DM Champion. Um, or you can email me on uh, behindthebusinesspod at gmail.com. Also, if there is anybody out there interested in reaching out to me via DC Music, please go to uh, www.dannychampion.co.uk. Um, I help out, I support, I work on multiple projects in and around music publishing, synchronization, um, and general music business education. So if these are areas of interest to you, please do have a look at the website and reach out, get in touch. Um, there'll be plenty more of these over the coming weeks, hopefully. But until then, thank you very much and I will speak to you again very soon.